But this afternoon, I'm going to talk about planning, so it works out really nice. And I hope that the lesson will be helpful for you in your growth as a Christian. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, For we are His workmanship, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a plan for His people. And every person who is a Christian here tonight, God has a plan for you. And his plan is that you should live a godly life created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's his plan, that we should walk in good works and we should live a godly life. He's got that plan. Are we living according to that plan today? How's your relationship with God? I know this afternoon y'all talked about some of the goals and the plans that you have, and it's important because of this right here. Failure to plan is planning to fail. The first time I heard that quote, I was listening on the I was listening to the radio on the tractor, and I was listening to a financial coach who is having people call into a show. He's very popular, and he, people call in and they say I need help with my finances. And they explain a little bit about their situation. And then he'll give them some common sense principles that they could implement into their life in order to fix their finances. And it occurred to me one day that 90 or more percent of the people who had problems with their finances, it was because of this. And he said, failure to plan is planning to fail. And the reality is if we have no plan in place, for spiritual growth as a congregation or individually, we're going to end up just drifting along like a boat without a rudder, without any direction or any idea of where we're going. And so it's important for us to have a plan in place. And so that's why we need to make a plan to grow. Now, I don't know why I didn't get this verse in my PowerPoint, but I would invite you to open up your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 32. In verse 8. Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 8. <clears throat> the Bible says, But the liberal deviseth liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. Now he's talking about generous. A generous man will devise generous things, and he will become generous. The reality is, is that if we want to grow as Christians, if we want to be generous as Christians, it's not going to happen by accident. If you want to be a spiritually minded person, you need to devise spiritual things and create a spiritual plan for your life. And if we don't, we're just going to end up drifting along. So the first principle I want us to realize is that trans spiritual transformation doesn't happen on its own. It's not going to happen on its own. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writing to the Christians at Rome, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye trans be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Rome lived in a society much like our own. It was a pagan society, it was a sinful society. And these Christians had a challenge not to fall into that, that same mentality, that same lifestyle. And Paul lays out the two options there. He says, don't be conformed, 
but be transformed. Now, what's the easiest thing to do as a Christian? Conform, right? We have a tendency to talk like the people we spend time around. My mom says when I came back to the farm and started spending more time with my family, my hick accent kind of got a lot bigger. My daughter back there, guess who she acts a lot like and the kind of jokes she tells and the things that she says. Where does she get those? From the people she spends the most time around. We are influenced in every way from fashion, political views, the way we think, all those things. And that's okay, except for God called us unto good works. And as Christians, we cannot be influenced by the world. And that's what happens, and that's what's easy. Paul says, don't do that, but be transformed. Transformation is when we change from one thing into another, right? And we admire people who are able to make great transformations in their life. We see someone who loses a lot of weight, and we say, wow, that person is awesome. Because we recognize it takes work and effort and focus, a complete lifestyle change. And the same is true for us spiritually. Do you want to grow as a Christian? Do you really want to grow? It's going to take work. The reality is if we expect spiritual transformation to happen on its own, we're just going to slowly go through life. And you can attend worship services three times a week. You can attend Bible studies and you can do all sorts of things. But if you're not putting any extra work, you're not going to grow. We need to be willing to work. <clears throat> Next, we need a plan. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, the Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The New King James renders that passage, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. If we have no vision for where we're going, we're like a ship in the ocean without any destination, without a rudder, and we just kind of just wander and drift, and we're carried by the waves and the wind, and we end up someplace that we never expected to. We have to have the vision. We have to have the goals. We have to have the destination that we're looking for. Otherwise, we will cast off restraint. We need goals, kind of like the meeting talked about this afternoon. So spiritual transformation, number one, requires work, and number two, it requires planning. So are you doing those things today? If not, today's the day to start doing it. The leaders of this congregation are doing it as a congregation, setting goals for next week, next month, next year, all the way up to way down the road, years and years down the road. Do we do those things on an individual level? So there's two basic things that we need to plan for. Number one, we have to make plans to avoid sin. And number two, we have to make plans to do good things, to build godly habits. And so I want to talk about those, for both of those today. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 12, the Bible says, A prudent man or a wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A wise man sees the temptation, sees the evil coming, and what does he do? He hides from it. He goes to where it's not going to affect him. But the simple don't see the warning signs, don't know the sin's coming. They go through, they commit the sin, and they 
get to deal with the consequences, don't they? So it's important that we strive to be the prudent man, but notice what it takes. It takes foreseeing that sin. So we need to have an understanding of it before it's here. So a wise man will plan to avoid sin. And what I want to do is I want to look at three specific men in the Bible who did just that. These were men who were successful men of God, godly men who set for an example the need for planning. These men didn't become godly men by accident, but they had the foresight to avoid the sin and the consequences of it. The first man that we want to look at today is Job. Job was a godly man. And notice what he says in Job chapter 31 and verse 1. He says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You see, Job realized he had a particular area of weakness that he needed to be on guard for. Job had hormones. He had desires. He had temptations. And what does our society tell us about that? Boys will be boys. Look, but don't touch. They'll grow out of it one day. And our society says it's okay. You can go to any movie theater, turn on your televisions, turn on your computers, and it's there. Lust is ingrained in every aspect of our society. Job was not willing to just go with the flow, to conform, was he? But rather, he chose a transformation. And we see the resolve. He made a covenant with his eyes. He vowed, I am not going to allow lust to be a part of my life. What are we doing today? Are we following his example? Are we just doing what everyone else is doing out in the world? I think if Job was alive today, he would tell us that we need to avoid movies that have inappropriate material. We need to have filters and and all sorts of software to help us to uh, avoid the temptations of lust on our computers and devices. He would tell fathers and mothers, make sure you're on guard for this. Job was not willing to conform to the world, are we? Next we find Daniel. Daniel was a godly man, and he was a very young man. He was taken away into captivity into a faraway place. And what the king of this, the king of this uh, Babylon would do is he would introduce them to every aspect of Babylonian culture. And he would try to get the, the captives to forget where they came from. And so he would introduce them to Babylonian food. And he would change their name. Daniel's name was changed. He would introduce them to culture and ideas and gods. And he would try to get them to forget their loyalty to the previous country. Well, Daniel was a man of God. So was he going to conform to what the king wanted, or was he going to do what God wanted? Daniel saw a particular issue with the food the king wanted him to eat, and he said that it would defile him. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel saw this particular area that he needed to be on, God, on guard for. He purposed, he planned that he would not sin. And it was a simple plan. I'm just going to go to the chief of the eunuchs and I'm going to say, hey, I don't need to eat this. And the Bible says in the next verse that God gave him favor with this man and he was able to do it. That was a simple plan. Not all the Israelites did it though. 
A lot of them just went with the flow, conformed to the world, and embraced the views of society. And, and they were not successful children of God, like Daniel was. He made a plan, and he stuck with it. Finally, we look at the man David. Now, I know David was not perfect. None of these guys were, actually. But we see in Psalm chapter 17, verse 3, this is a prayer of David, according to the first verse. And notice what David says. He's praying to God, and he says, Thou hast proved my heart, that you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night, that thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. He says, God, you can examine my life, you can look at my life, and you won't find anything against me. And he says, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Now, we all know what James says about the tongue, right? No man has tamed a tongue. And I'm sure David, in his lifetime, committed sin with his tongue. But notice the resolve and the plan. This was something that was on his mind. And at this particular time, he says, God, you can examine my life, and you don't see any kind of sin comes from my tongue. That's hard, isn't it? In the society we live in, think about all the sin that people commit with their tongues. I read a, a study and I don't know how accurate it was, but it said something like 70% of people admitted to lying multiple times a day. Lying is prevalent. Cursing is very prevalent. Dirty jokes are told in the locker rooms and at work. Gossip is prevalent. The latest details about what's going on and, and, and who did this. Hateful things are said from one spouse to another in a heated argument. You can get on any kind of comment section on the internet and you can see the vilest of things being, being typed up. It's hard not, not to allow these things to enter into our life. Are you conforming to the world and what, the, and what society says about our tongue being okay? Or do you have the same kind of resolve that David did and do you have a plan to avoid those things that... <clears throat> that are causing you to sin. Let's take, for example, road rage. Now, I know there's a lot of traffic in this area in this ginormous community of Wheeler. But if you have road rage, what are some things that we could do to avoid road rage? Maybe we could leave early. So leave 20 minutes earlier so we're not in such a big hurry. That's a pretty simple solution. Maybe we could listen to Christian music while we're driving, so that your mind is filled and focused on spiritual things. Maybe you can resolve and have a plan. Every time I get in the car, I'm going to spend time in prayer. And doing those three things, those are three easy, simple solutions that we could do to avoid that sin. The reality was is that David had, a, had temptations. He recognized it, but he said, I'm not going to allow my mouth to transgress God's word. So a wise man will plan to avoid sin. These men didn't get to where they were on accident. They took the time and effort, and they were diligent to put those, those sins, uh, or they took the time and effort to plan, and they, put those, they were diligent to put those plans into, into action. Now, on the other hand, we're not as Christians just supposed to avoid sin. That's not, all, that's not the only thing about Christianity we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grow spiritually on the other side. 
Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, But reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Are you exercising yourself toward godliness? Do you have an idea of what you're going to do in order to be more and more godly? None of us are perfect, and we all have areas we need to work on. I want to look at the example of Apostle Paul in doing this. Apostle Paul was a planner. He had a plan of action, and he had things that he particularly worked on in order to grow spiritually. Look what Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15 says. Paul says, Brethren, I count on myself to apprehend it, not to have achieved it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Not only did Paul have goals, but he was reaching for those goals. He was striving for those. Notice what he says in verse 14, I press toward. There was action, there was work, there was diligent put toward these goals. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect to be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul was a goal setter. His ultimate goal was to reach toward that high calling of the prize in Christ Jesus. But he didn't have, it wasn't the fact that he only had that one goal. He had much or many other goals that he worked on. One thing that he particularly cared about was reaching the Jewish people. He had a great care for them. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire... And prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. One of Paul's goals was to save as many of his Jewish brothers as possible. So did he make up that goal and then not ever do anything about it? Did he let the other people do the work? Did he create a plan? He created a plan. And it's a simple plan. He wanted to save Jewish people, so where did he go? He went to the synagogue on Sabbath when, where the Jewish people were. were. Now, I'm not going to say those names because I've been having a hard time pronouncing those. But the Bible says now when they had passed, this is speaking of Paul, and they had passed through those cities, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. You can read through the book of Acts. Paul cared for these people and he made a plan. When I go to a new city, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to the synagogue and I'm going to preach the gospel. That was his plan to accomplish this goal that he had. It was a simple plan, wasn't it? Do we have plans like that? Do we have a desire to study the Bible with people? Well, don't wait for them to come knock on your door. Why don't you ask? Very simple things that we can do to implement spiritual growth in our own lives. Job, Daniel, David, and Paul did not get where they were by accident. These men saw areas of their life that they wanted to do better, whether it was avoiding sin or doing spiritual things, and then they put a plan into action. So what did these men do that we should do today? What's the application for us? Number one, we need to spend time examining ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except to be reprobates. Pretty easy. Examine yourselves. Prove yourselves. 
we do this very often, don't we? Every morning we get up and we look in the mirror and we make sure that we're presentable for work or for school or for worship or anything that we're doing, don't we? We do this at our jobs. We have job reviews and our boss brings us in and he asks us questions or she asks us questions and we discuss what, what kind of things we're doing, why we're doing it, and how good we're doing them. We examine ourselves and we think about how we can make changes, improvements in all areas of our life. Why not do that in our spiritual lives? Notice what James chapter 1 verse 22 says. He says, Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what he says is here, don't be just a hearer. Don't open up your Bibles and read it and study it in the morning. Put it on your table and forget about it. Don't come to the worship services and listen to the lesson and then forget about it when you go to school or to work the next day. Use it as a mirror. Examine yourselves. And don't just walk away. When you have a hair out of, uh, in the wrong spot, fix it. When you have stuff on your face, fix it. And that's what we need to do spiritually when we open up God's Word. Secondly, we need to set goals and remember them often. Don't set a goal and never think about it. Look what Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 says. He says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us search and try our ways. Think about it. Examine ourselves. In the areas that we're not doing right, fix them. He says we need to return to the Lord. So set goals for yourself individually. What kind of things do I need to work on? What kind of things do I need to get involved in? so that I can grow in my relationship with God. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15, <clears throat> The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. That's out of the New King James. A prudent man's going to consider where his steps are leading. We did this this morning, or this afternoon, when we came to this church building. Right? We all got up and we had things to do before we came here. We had to get dressed, and we had to get our children ready, and we had to fix our hair and do all those things. But our ultimate goal was to get to this church building, and we took steps to get there. Now, Bethany and I didn't take our normal routine on Sundays. If we would have done our normal deal, we would have wound up in another place where we're used to going. But we had a different goal. And so all along the way, guess what we were doing? We were looking at the GPS. Are we on the right road? Are we not? And one time we missed our turn. So what do we do? We said, uh-oh, we didn't, we're not on the right track. We turned around and we, we made the turn that we were supposed to do. Do we do this with our, our spiritual lives? Are we thinking about the steps that we're taking today? Are they helping us get to where we want to be? So let's say, for example, you want to be a better father. What am I going to do today to be a better father? When I get home from work, am I going to turn on the TV and watch the football game? That's not going to help me get to where I want to be. I'm not saying it's not okay to watch a football game, but if you do that every single day, 
you're not going to be a better father. If I want to overcome this sin or I want to do this or that, think about it every day. How am I doing? Are my steps leading me toward my goal or leading away? A prudent man will consider his steps. Am I walking toward my goal? Number three, if we want to be successful Christians, we also need to seek help from God and seek help from other Christians. Proverbs chapter 14, or 11, verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The reality is that Satan wants us isolated on our own. And he wants us to fall and stumble. And he wants us to make the mistakes. And he wants us to be off on our own so that he can get us away from counsel. But the Bible talks about the church being a family. And when we need help and we have struggles, what does he want us to do? Go to a brother or a sister that you trust. Go to the elders of the church. Ask them to help you overcome a challenge. Where no counsel is, the people fall. So if you're new to this whole Christian thing, find someone that you can trust who will help you and guide you. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Maybe you come up with a plan and it's just not working. Ask someone to help you. We see this over and over in the Gospels, where people would go to Jesus and said, this is my goal, how do I get there? The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. You need to go and take what you have and sell to the poor. Now, sadly, that story didn't end well. That was a simple plan. Jesus provided him that plan to help him overcome his spiritual weakness, which was the love of possessions. And over and over, we see those kind of things in the Bible as Jesus provided people plans to overcome their sins or to grow spiritually. Last but not least, this is kind of, Common sense, we need to execute the plan. Why spend the time planning and thinking about it if you're not going to really work toward it? Make the plan and be diligent. Proverbs 21, verse 5, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty is only to, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. The thoughts of the diligent lend to plenteousness. So a wise man will put the plan in place, will be diligent in implementing that plan, and what will he receive? Plenteous spiritual growth, overcoming the sin. That's such a wonderful promise to us. And in Psalms chapter 37, verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If we will take the principles found in God's word, implement those into our lives, make planning an important part of our lives, he's going to bless us in those things. Daniel, Job, David, and Paul all show us examples of men who were diligent, who were planners, and God blessed their work. And they became very godly men. So these are the things that we find in Scripture that we are challenged to do. Are you doing those things today? Are you making plan? Are you making planning a part of your life every day? If not, my challenge to you this afternoon, start today. Go home and spend time planning out how you're going to grow spiritually today.
Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.